I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. David Eichel, Sean Bach, 24-7 Sports, HawkeyeInsider.com here with you on a Wednesday to break down the Iowa hoop season. Sean, I know we've been focused on basketball, uh, on football for the basically last three to four weeks, but given all the storylines around that, it's been tough for us to podcast about basketball. But now the focus has somewhat shifted. I mean, Iowa's about to really, I think, turn up the competition a level with Duke, Iowa State, which, by the way, the scheduling of that is going to be crazy for Iowa because they play Duke in Madison Square Garden, they fly back, and it's essentially a one-day prep for Iowa State. It's like a 42-hour difference between the games, which is insane. Then Iowa will play Wisconsin. But plenty of storylines and takeaways for the first few games of this, Sean. But uh, one thing remains true. Iowa is still a fun team to watch. But uh, certainly, I think, a number of surprises this season just based on what we've seen thus far. Right. And, I mean, we've talked about it before in a previous podcast where Chris Murray has obviously been the story of where, you know, what we've kind of come to expect. I mean, you talk about this team – you look at the guy that left, I mean, Keegan Murray leaving, and a lot of people point to Chris Murray, but we kind of thought it would be be a scoring by committee. And while it has in certain phases, I don't know if we've really seen a true number two guy step up. I mean, Patrick McCaffrey did so against Clemson, but he's obviously not had the best stretch of games here in the last two games especially. So, I mean, outside of that, I mean, with Keegan, I mean, with Chris, seeing him step up has been a really big positive so far. I mean, we've kind of expected that, but there's still some maybe questions with how capable he can be on a nightly basis. I think he has what it takes to do that, and he has a skill set, and I mean, he's shown it against Seton Hall and Georgia Tech, too high major teams and I mean probably the performance against Seton Hall was the most impressive considering yeah. you know the way that he did it and you know the opponent the atmosphere um compared to Georgia Tech but there's got to be another guy that steps up and does so you know and is another scorer is a number two scorer I think Patrick can be that guy I think you know, you could maybe not have a number two guy, maybe have multiple guys that could be number two. I mean, Tony Perkins falls into that line as well. He's been he's been pretty good when he's healthy this year, and he's kind of got that swag to him where he can kind of score whenever he wants to and get to the rim and get downhill whenever he wants to. But there needs to be that probably number two, number three guy that you can rely on on a daily basis. And Perkins maybe fits that role, and so does McCaffrey. But, you know, maybe we haven't seen – 
maybe you slide Perkins in that number two role, and then maybe you put a Peyton Sam for Patrick McCaffrey there. And Patrick's done it more than Peyton this year, but you'd like to see one of those guys come up and be a little more consistent. I'm with you on that. I think Peyton Sanford's going to get hot down the stretch. I know some people have been disappointed with the way he started, and I understand that. But I think people need to take one big positive away from Peyton through the first few games, Sean. It's, you know, he's been known as a shooter. We all know that. But he can contribute in other ways on the court when his shots aren't falling. I mean, he's actively cutting. He's getting to the rim. He's rebounding the ball well. He's passing the ball really well. I think defensively he still has a little bit of work to do. I think against Georgia Tech last night, they started to isolate Peyton a little bit, especially, you know, getting to the rim. And that's something I think if you throw Peyton in there and you're making him guard shooting guards, that was one of the things that you and I had previously discussed about being a potential weakness. Now I think Peyton can continue to improve that, but I would like to see him be more consistent. I think Patrick will get together. I mean, Iowa needed his performance against Clemson. I thought he was arguably the best player on the floor in that game. Obviously, Chris was four of 18 from that game. But like you said, Iowa needs another consistent score. I think Tony Perkins is can step up to that. I think he needs to continue to develop that three-point shot. But he is so aggressive going to the rim. And he just there's a sense there's a relentless sense about him. But one thing that I've noticed, especially over the past couple of games, Sean, that it's not a red flag, but it kind of raises my eyebrows a little bit. I don't want to say it's Patrick McCaffrey syndrome, but when he starts getting to the hoop, not looking to pass. I mean, he he's going, he doesn't care if there's two or three people around him. He's looking to score. And again, I don't think that's necessarily a, the worst thing in the world. But when defenses start collapsing, when it's a four on three and all three guys start getting in the paint when a Tony or a Patrick drive in, that's when you got to switch it up a little bit. You have to have controlled unpredictability, as I like to call it, when you're going to the rim. You should know what to do, but you got to be able to keep defenses off guard. So that's something I'd like to see him continue to develop. But, you know, another positive, I think, Sean, is Aaron Eulis. I think Aaron Eulis is really starting to play some of his better basketball of his career. I know he did not shoot the ball well against Georgia Tech, but when he hits that mid-range pull-up jumper, when he hits a three-pointer or two, it just changes the ceiling of his game and it changes the flow of it because one thing, I'm not sure, I want your take on this, Sean. I think Iowa's half-court defense has actually been substantially better than it was at this point last year without question. I think Iowa's getting beat by backdoor cuts a lot and not having a true rim protector certainly hurts. But Iowa allowing second chance points and points off turnovers is what has killed them more than anything else. But I actually think Iowa's perimeter defense for the most part, especially when it's man, has been substantially better than it was last season. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think just straight on guarding guys has been better. Like you said, I think guarding off the ball, and that's going to happen from time to time. But I think guarding off the ball has been a little bit of an area. I mean, we saw him last last night against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, I mean, I wrote in my game preview that they're going to try and beat you off back cuts. That's going to be some of the big things with the Princeton offense that they run. They're going to try to beat you off back cuts, and they're going to do dribble handoffs, and they're going to do screen handoffs to on the perimeter to – or on the – um you know, free throw line extender on the elbow to get, you know, defenses in uncomfortable positions and get things going to the basket. Georgia Tech, I think, could be a lot better team if they didn't shoot as many threes as they do. And I think that Iowa, Iowa last night should have probably had more, obviously more points with the way they shot it from the free throw line. 
I mean, being really poor at 58%. But Georgia Tech, man, like, not to get too much into them, but they could be a much better team if they, were, if they had some discipline with how they play offensively. <laughs> yeah. Because I think there were a couple times in half-court situations where they could have beat Iowa. I mean, they were getting a lot of stuff at the basket. I mean, Iowa did a good job of competing with them at the rim, but they just settle for so many outside jumpers, and they're not a really good shooting team. And if no. I'm if I'm a team, if I'm game planning for Iowa, how I want to game plan for them is motion on offense. I mean, I know that's kind of the thing to beat every team, but if you're if you're an opponent, you should be back cutting, you should be setting rub screens, you should be doing dribble handoffs, you should be doing different kinds of motion to keep the Iowa defense guessing because that's where I think they fall into trouble. And you should be attacking the glass. Because that's an area where Iowa obviously has a lot of improvement that is needed because that is an area where they really struggle right now. They gave up, I mean, I know they had 19 offensive rebounds last night, but they gave up 15 offensive rebounds too to Georgia Tech, who not is not really a great offensive rebounding team. I no. think they're okay, but they're they're not where you know you should be giving up 15 offensive rebounds to them. I mean, Duke coming into, you know, next week's game is the top offensive rebounding team in the country. And that kind yeah, of tells you all you point. need to know, especially yeah. with these with playing at the Garden, you're going to have pretty stiff rims. And if Duke's not hitting threes or if they're not hitting shots, like those balls are going to bounce off the rim. And I don't know if Iowa's going to go into a zone or, I mean, Duke's shooting, Duke is 303rd in the country in three-point percentage, so – I imagine that Iowa will try to extend things out a little bit and maybe force Duke into shooting more perimeter shots, but they're going to attack the glass. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you have to think, okay, do we want to make force them to shoot more threes or do we want to and play zone or do we want to play zone, force them to shoot more threes? And, you know, you also got to take into account they're going to be able to attack the glass and those long rebounds are really going to come into play in those in that matchup. We've seen opinion. Iowa get so. killed on that last year when they gave up those long offensive rebounds. And the thing with Georgia Tech too, Sean, was I think they were 342nd in offensive rebounding percentage allowed. And that's because of this style of defense that they play. I mean, the zone defense and, you know, Georgia Tech coach Josh Pashner basically said that last night as well. He said, we know we're going to give up a lot of them. And the crazy part about the Tech game, again, not to single-handedly focus on that, was Josh just said, we make threes in practice. I don't know why it's not translating to a game. And that tells me he knows the heat's on his hot seat when he just doesn't have an answer for why his team isn't hitting threes and they continue to shoot as many as they do. But, you know, I'm with you. I think that's a very interesting stat about the Duke offensive rebounding. And with that being said, I think Philip Abrach is so much better this year than he was last year. I mean, he definitely has his shortcomings, but he's so much more confident. I think he turned the ball over too much last night five turnovers, more aggressive moves to the basket. I think he's a much more aggressive and tenacious rebounder than he was last year, and he certainly certainly looks more comfortable. But, you know, and this will be something I bring up in a minute, Sean, but I was going to need Joshua Gundale to play some minutes this year just from a big body perspective to somehow level up these guys. And even if you run nothing through Josh, let him be a body that can't be moved in the paint. Let him make the guards be fearful when he drives in 
and grab a few rebounds. And if Josh can do that, that's really all Iowa needs him to do. Right. And I mean, Philip, you got to tip your hat to him because he plays probably as hard as anyone on the court when he's down low. Yeah. Like the way he works for position, both in the post and to get rebounds is, is, you know, Luca Garza level. But I think some of the shortcomings that we've seen with him have kind of been exposed in recent games, which is one of them is finishing at the rim against length. That, that I think is an issue at times. He seems to be really bothered by that. And I mean, that's going to happen to everybody, but there are some guys that we've seen that can outmuscle that. Or, I mean, Keegan Murray is a prime example of it. I mean, he's not going to be on the level of Keegan Murray, but Phillip plays the true five while Keegan played a three and a four. So he could get away with that at times. Phillip is going to have to really, you know, find ways to adjust to that or find ways to finish in different ways or, you know, really bolster up the strength to do that. And I think that's something that Chris Murray has really struggled with too, is finishing at the rim consistently. Um, I know he missed a couple of bunnies at the Emerald Coast Classic, but I think there were a few other times where maybe he got altered by a shot or, you know, because there is more length than he anticipated. So, yeah, I mean, I think with this team, we mentioned three-point shooting, that, or we didn't mention three-point shooting. Three-point shooting is something that's going to have to improve. Interior play, I think you're going to have to have another body emerge. And I know Josh isn't going to be a guy that's going to put up eight to ten points. But if he can give you, you know, the minutes like he did against Clemson, I think that sets you up really well um, in terms of defense and also giving Phillip a gas, some break. And, you know, I think Josh could maybe get a couple points here and there, but it's not going to be his true calling card. Um, you can't run anything through him. He's right. just not there. I mean, his back to basket he's whenever he gets the ball in the post. Yeah, whenever he gets the ball in the post, he just like doesn't look like he's put a post move to memory to just execute. He kind of waits for a double team. Maybe he'll take an awkward dribble or two. And it's just it's it's not where it needs to be yet. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love. You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Right. Like he's not going to play. I mean, maybe you could put him against Ryan Young against Duke, but I mean, Ryan Young's a little more nibble on his feet than, than Josh is. But 
I mean, Fran mentioned it during the season, like, or during the preseason, that he's not sure how many games he's going to need to have a true second big man. I mean, it's it's going to happen in due time. Like, there's going to be a time where it comes up. But you look at the teams in the Big Ten this year. I mean, Indiana comes to mind with Trace Jackson Davis. Michigan with Hunter Dickinson. Um, Zach Eady, obviously. I mean, Purdue is probably the most impressive team of Feast Week. He is yeah. in, in the running for National Player of the Year. And, you know, we saw that Josh had some success against him last year. Uh, maybe a Dane Danger from Illinois, too. A couple other guys that aren't coming to mind right now. But, you know, you're going to have to put him in there at some point. And I think the minutes he showed in Florida were were encouraging. Um, I think he plays hard and, you know, he does what he can do. And while he's limited on both sides of the floor, I think just having a bigger body to kind of change things up from Phillip could could really help this Iowa team. And, you know, for everybody that says Edie is only good because of his height, he he looks a lot better this year to me. I mean, he looks like a guy that's putting some major work, Sean. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. And I think Purdue's the number one team in the country at this point, based on what they've shown me. I mean, I've been very, very impressed with what Matt Painter's built there. You know, Raphael Davis, the Big Ten Network analyst, said preseason they they were going to be better than last year, and people kind of wrote him off. He was right. I got to give him credit because Purdue definitely – the Big Ten, to me, looks like the best league in the country right now, Sean. I mean, Michigan State's better than we thought. I think Michigan's slightly worse than we thought. Purdue's good. Illinois is going to be good. Indiana's going to be very good. Big Ten general looks great. But as you mentioned, I don't know if I agree with Fran. I think you're going to need some guy that can at least step in there and, you know, at least slow down some of those big body caliber guys. And I think how we see that is TCU is an interesting team. Don't get me wrong. But Eddie Lamp can completely change the course of that game. He had nine points and eight rebounds. I mean, it's not like he dominated, but he put together a very nice game. But TC was plus 25 with him on the court. I mean, when he was there, all the energy was put forth into stopping him, and that really allowed TCU to to kill him with cuts. And when Iowa turned it over, they had the quick guards out in transition. But, again, Iowa just looked so different when Lampkin was on the floor. And he's a good player. He's not a great player. And you look at some of the elite bigs in the Big Ten, Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis. Zach Eady. I mean, we can go down the list. So, you know, I, I think Phillips could do a good job for what he's asked to do. I think he's going to put in the full effort. And like you said, I don't think there's a guy that works harder on the court than when he's there. But if you're not going to play a true five, Sean, Iowa has to be better at rebounding the basketball. They, they just do. I thought they did a nice job against Clemson. I thought they did good last night. But let's not pretend like Georgia Tech is a big team that rebounds the ball at a high rate because they don't. TCU is a sweet 16 caliber team last year who returned 96% of its scoring. So if they wanted a true early season measuring stick based on who they've played, that's what you need to measure yourself up against. And right now against that competition, Iowa didn't rebound. They turned the ball over. And they couldn't make open shots. Right. And I think to play, uh, to look into another aspect of it, I mean, that was one. The rebounding and three-point shooting are probably two of the bigger concerns for me and potentially the depth at the five spot. But I think one of the positives that I've been really intrigued about is point guard play. And, I mean, we mentioned Tony Perkins, but I think guard play in general. I mean, Aaron Eulis has, I think it's the fifth best turnover percentage which, I mean, when you talk about fit, that's that's a positive five in terms of turnover percentage in the Big Ten. 
And that's really impressive considering how much he has the ball in his hands when he is on the floor. I know he didn't he didn't score against Georgia Tech last night, but he had five assists, two steals, zero turnovers, and I think it was like 22 minutes or something, which is really, really good because that was one of the things that I think a lot of people were worried about with him. I mean, you look last year, I mean, he's this year through seven games, he's playing 55% of potential minutes. Last year, he played 33.5%. He has a 7.6 turnover rate this year, and yeah. last year he had 21.6 turnover rate. That is a very, very solid improvement. And he, I mean, he's turned the ball over, let's see, two times against high major opponents. One, He had one turnover against TCU, and then he had one turnover against Seton Hall. But he's playing over 20 minutes per game. And like even one or two turnovers during that is really impressive, especially when you consider the way that Iowa wants to play and how they want to push the basketball. And I, I think it's real. I had my doubts at the beginning of the year. I think it's really good to see him and DeSante Bowen play together. Cause I wasn't totally convinced that they could coexist with one another. DeSante yeah. has been really, really intriguing to me. I know Fran mentioned yesterday that he wants to see DeSante more out there. I mean, he has a high turnover rate. That's, that's something that's fixable, but I think his aggressiveness to the basket and, you know, how we can get to the rim and his ability to slash and play with other guards on the court is really valuable because I wasn't sure if Iowa would just have to stick him at the true point because they can really have him and Ulyss play together. And I think that's, that's a really positive sign. I'm with you. And I think to Sante Bowen, and this is something I wanted to bring up too, based on Fran's post-game comments, he said, look, I got to get Peyton more minutes. I got to get DeSante Bowen more minutes. I got to get Joshua Gundale more minutes. And he said, look, they've earned them. And I don't blame Fran against Seton Hall or last night. He rode with his veteran guys. I mean, there weren't a lot of substitutions in the second half because I think Fran just wanted to get to the finish line. But Bowen played, what, six minutes last night? He had two points, and it was a fantastic drive to the rim and finish. Two assists, no turnovers. Bowen's going to be a guy that really showed me a lot in Florida and not that it's a ceiling, but how quickly he's starting to pick everything up. And, you know, another guy that we haven't mentioned, Sean, Connor McCaffrey's playing the best basketball of his career right now. I mean, we know what he's brought to the table as a glue guy, but he's not just a glue guy. I mean, this is a legitimate big 10 shooter. This is a guy that can open up the floor when he's out there now. And I think the full off season dedicated to basketball has helped and he's been healthy. I mean, people don't, I don't think people realize how many injuries Connor McCaffrey has played through. And this is the first time he's really been fully healthy for an off season as well. But I think back to the first one last night, Sean, uh, not first three is the second three. There were 23 seconds on the shot clock in transition. He stepped into it from like three feet behind three point line and drained it. And everybody wanted him to shoot it in the building. Could you imagine him saying that a couple of years ago about Connor McCaffrey taking a three in general, let alone in transition with a hand in his face? This is a guy that I think is playing the most confident basketball of his career. He had 10 rebounds last night, 10 points. And, you know, with that second unit, when you have a Ulyss and a Bowen who can do a lot of things, but they aren't proven three-point shooters, if you have Connor McCaffrey shooting the ball, if he can end the year at 40 to 43% from three-point range, that's an outstanding final year for Connor. And based on what we've seen, it really, really looks like that he's going to be able to piece that together. So look at this stat. So I just looked at the Ken Palm 
So from November 9th to January 22nd last year. So that's, you know, a good two and, or two and a half month span. Connor McCaffrey made one, two, three, four, four three pointers. Actually, it's up to January 27th. He made four three pointers in that game. And then on January 31st is when he went four of seven from three against Penn State. But he made four three pointers over a two and a half month span last year, maybe a little bit more than two and a half months. He's nine of 15 this year. He really closed out the year well last year. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, adding him to being, a, and I, yeah, I even think sometimes he looks a little too not aggressive when shooting the basketball when he's out there. I think there are some times that maybe he could shoot the ball a little bit more. Yeah. So you. having him as a as a consistent three-point shooter because last year when he was on the court, yes, he did a number of things well, but with his passing and leadership and just being able to handle basketball, but him not being a liability to score the basketball this year, especially from the perimeter, is huge because I know he's not going to be a Joe Wieskamp or you know, what Iowa needs Peyton Stanford to be as a knockdown three-point shooter. But having Connor as just a reliable offensive threat where you aren't going to have one or two guys or his defender playing five to ten feet off of him because yeah. that's what teams have done in the past. Like they've literally had two, like everyone in the lane when Connor has the ball, or at least guys like the guy guarding him in the lane when Connor guards has the basketball on the perimeter. And that's that's gonna be important. I mean, he doesn't have to hit four or five threes per game, but if he can hit two or three, that's gonna be a really, really key thing for this team because we don't know what three point shooters they have this year. Chris, I mean, is shooting forty one percent from three. That's been good, but you'd like to get him, you know, working in the post and operating there. And you know, he's gonna get his on the perimeter, but you know, not overly can not. He has been their best three point shooter alongside Connor, but. I think you'd want to get him more around the rim at times. Peyton is shoot Sanford shooting eight of thirty-two from three, twenty-five percent. Patrick's thirty-two percent from three. Josh Dix is probably the next best three-point shooter, but it's really up in the air to see how much Fran plays him this year, how much he can get on the floor. Yes, I don't. I don't think Iowa needs to have you know needs to be as good as three-point shooting team as they have been in the past. But I think in this day and age in college basketball you have to have one or two guys that you can, can draw something up to get them to knock down a three. I think that's really important. And with how Iowa wants to play, spacing is so important. And if you don't have guys that can hit the three consistently, then you're not going your spacing is not going to be as effective no matter how much you space. Yes, you can get guys downhill. Yes, you can get guys in isolation, but I think this team is more built on that spacing and finding guys and knocking down shots and catch and shoot situations than they are, you know, getting to the rim consistently or driving downhill consistently. Um, it's you got to have guys that can develop an outside shot. That's that's going to be critical. So I think, you know, I think some of our general takeaways are this team's about what we expected. I think in some ways, I think I thought the shooting would be much more consistent to start things off. 
I thought the rebounding would be a little bit better. I, I still think they struggle in some way with it. Again, Iowa was 20-1 and one last year when they out-rebounded opponents. The one loss, of course, being to Richmond. I think the shooting will fix itself eventually. The law of averages will just come back to what's supposed to be. Because Peyton Sanford, I don't think, get continue to struggle. But I think this is a very, very big week for Iowa. I think they need to get rested up. I think they need to get completely locked in. Because come next Tuesday, Sean, Tuesday to that Monday, I believe, that six, seven-day window with Duke, Iowa State, and Wisconsin, I think you got to go two and one. One and twos, okay, you can't go 0 oh and three. I think it's a miracle if they go 2-0 against Duke and Iowa State, just given the magnitude of the competition, the traveling, and the short schedule. You have to split that, and I think if you really want to open up Big Ten play strong, you have to beat Wisconsin. But you you cannot afford to go 0-2 against Duke and Iowa State. You have to find a way to split it. Yeah, you have to win at least two games because three of those games – or two of those games are on the road, are at home. And I think you got to – you know, Duke – this is the kind of – I know we'll preview Duke more closer to the game, but this is the time of the year where you want to play Duke because they are a team that is far from a finished product. They're going to be playing their best basketball in February and potentially March, and they're going to look a lot different. They still got some guys dealing with injuries or, you know, are coming back into the mix but are still pretty young and figuring stuff out. They don't really have an identity yet. And, I mean, neither really does this Iowa team, but they're more experienced and – well, I think Duke is more talented, more upside, more high upside guys. And just across the board, like if Iowa plays what they're capable of, they could win that game. But Duke has a lot of a lot of matchups that I think might be might be a little might catch Iowa off guard or might make this one kind of tougher than it it or I mean it's gonna be tough anyway, but it's going to be a more, you know, maybe tilt in favor of Duke. And then Iowa State, haven't seen them a ton this year, but I just know defensively they're going to bring it. Scoring is kind of limited. So if you're Iowa, I mean, the best way might be to be out to outscore them. But then Wisconsin, too. I mean, Wisconsin's a tough team. Like, I know Wisconsin is not great on the offensive glass, but they're going to defend the heck out of you. And, you know, even if you're not – even if they're not scoring a ton of points, like – they're a hard, you can't fall behind those guys because they are going to, they're always known for as a team or as a program that once they get ahead, they keep that leader. They do a really good job keeping it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an interesting stretch. Cause like I mentioned before, it's kind of three different teams that play different ways. I, I mean, Duke, you have a lot of ISO ball, a lot of ball screens, high ball screens. A lot of it runs through Kyle Filipowski. Iowa State's a very defensive-minded team. Um, I mean, they put up points against uh, North Carolina and um, Villanova, but I think really they're really all limited offensively and defensively. They're going to be their calling card. Wisconsin's kind of the same. They're kind of looking for a guy that can be a consistent scorer, but they're kind of just the same old Wisconsin team. So it's it's going to be a really interesting stretch because you have a week, too, now between the Duke or Georgia Tech and the Duke game, and then you play those three games in a five-day span. And like you said, I mean, I know it's, you know, you go to Madison Square Garden, but that's a, that's a lot of uh, – those are probably three of the more, you know, I wouldn't say – competitive games of the year but ones that there's gonna be a lot of 
there's gonna be a lot of scratching scratching and calling yeah. in that game, if that makes sense. No, definitely. So, you know, it was good to talk some hoops to you, Sean. We'll we'll do it again real soon with obviously the big matchup with Duke coming coming down. Get 50% off an annual subscription to hawkeyeinsider.com through Monday. So be sure to check that out. But for David Eichel, Sean Bach, check us on Twitter at David Eichel at SBach247 and at Hawkeyes on 247. Until next time, talk to you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.